Good morning. We are here today. We're starting a brand new sermon series today, calling it Breaker Downer. We get that. It's kind of a play on words from the HGTV show, uh, A Fixer Upper. We're trying to break her downer. We're going to be talking about breaking down walls over the next six or seven weeks, uh, talking about how to overcome those things that can stand in our way to keep us from what God has for us. Is there anybody here, maybe you're facing a major issue. Maybe it's your health, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's financial problem. Or maybe you're here and you're under attack, a a boss that doesn't understand what you're going through, a child that doesn't listen. Maybe uh, you're dealing with aging parents and you don't quite know how to handle that, or a teacher that is less than empathetic to your situation. Maybe you're surrounded by more fake friends than true friends, or you're worried about the future, or you're full of different fears. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you're just flat out tired. <laughs> tired of the, of the drama, tired of the junk, tired of the stuff that's going on in your life. I think this series is going to help you. Because today, and for the next six weeks, we're going to focus in on Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. Now, the Battle of Jericho is probably one of the most known battles in all the world. You may not know the story of, uh, of the Battle of Iwo Jima, or the Battle for Midway Island, or even the Battle of Gettysburg. But most of us probably know the details of the Battle of Jericho. Maybe as a kid, you sang that children's song, Josh fought the Battle of Jericho, 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 Josh fought the Battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. We know the story. You know, the, 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 the troops, they went around uh, the city of Jericho six days, they walked around at one time, and on the seventh day, they walked around seven times, and the priest blew their horns, and the, and the people shouted a mighty shout, and the walls came a-tumbling down, breaker downer. We know all that, so why in the world would we spend seven weeks talking about this one battle in the Old Testament? Well, I mean, what can we learn that we don't already know about Joshua and the battle of Jericho? I think there's a lot of life lessons that we're going to learn. When we're worried, when we're under attack, when we feel like God's not listening or, or we're, we're, we're feeling like we're all alone, when we're facing a huge obstacle, a huge wall in our way that's standing between us and our goals. I really do think I'm going to be helped. I think you're going to be helped. The, the author of Hebrews uh, gave us a little bit of insight, though I think we would be good to hear right from the get-go as we look into this. He says in 1130 of the book of Hebrews, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. Why did the walls fall? The walls of Jericho came tumbling down because of faith, pure and simple faith. The same recipe that Jesus said could move mountains. Although Jesus said it just took a little bit, a smidgen, a, a mustard seed size, just a little bit of faith. See, Joshua and the, and the people of Israel, they had faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had faith that the one who delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians and the one who split the Red Sea and the one who was, who was with them and sustained them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and the one who split the Jordan River and, and made a dry riverbed for them to cross, that same one, when facing the walled city of Jericho, was going to be with them one more time. That, they, that, that, that this battle that they were facing belonged to the Lord. So it wasn't the, the military might or, or intelligence of Joshua that had the walls come, down, come tumbling down. 
It wasn't that Jericho's engineers and architects, you know, got their, their degree from a crackerjack box. It wasn't that the, the bricklayers union of, of Jericho went out on strike. No, the walls came down for one reason, one reason only. That God Almighty stepped onto that battlefield. And from then on, the battle belonged to the Lord. See, now if you don't learn anything else through these next seven weeks... This is the lesson you need to learn. This will sum up seven weeks in in one sentence. The battle belongs to the Lord. Your battle, your issues, your problems, your, your difficulties, those situations that you're not sure how to overcome, those battles, those worries, those fears, those things can belong to the Lord. It's not us on our own trying to fight them. The battle belongs to the Lord. Now, you remember the the walled city of Jericho, ancient history's version of the ultimate security system, was around the the city of Jericho. The Jerichoites were were, were protected by those walls, thought that nothing, nothing could defeat them because of those walls. They They were secure. Those walls had been there for decades, if not centuries. I like the way the great biblical scholar Larry the Cucumber describes the situation. Check this out. Did you hear something, Jean-Claude? Mais oui, Philippe. I think someone has bumped our wall. Who are you? Who are we? I think we should ask, who are you? Oh, um, I am Joshua, and these are the children of Israel. Oh, hello, children. Hi. It was nice to meet you. Now go away. Yes. <clears throat> no, you don't understand. God has given us this land for our new home. So, well, you're going to have to leave. Oh, did you hear that, Jean-Claude? Senator Piquet says we have to leave. I'm a cucumber. <laughs> that is hilarious. <clears throat> Let me point something out to you, Piquet. We have a wall. You do not. If anyone is to be doing the living, it will be you. Now listen to me. Our God said that this land was ours, and that all we had to do was follow his directions. So, I'm afraid, if you don't come out, we're going to have to come in there after you. (laughs) I'd like to see you try. You can never Not a mighty deer. You are just a baby gherkin. I'm a cucumber. (laughs) My slushy. Maybe we should fall back and regroup. Well, that was their account of what happened. And maybe you, you didn't catch the last phrase from the peas. You may have, have your God, but we have a wall. Nothing can beat us. When battles in your life come, we have one hope, and that is our God. We put our trust in God. The one thing we can be sure of, the one thing we can be certain of, the battle belongs to the Lord. 
Joshua and the Israelites discovered that truth. Jericho had a wall. It had trained warriors. It no doubt had expert archers. It had what was then the latest technology in warfare. They were going up against a ragtag group of of former slaves and nomads, people who, who knew very little about urban warfare. They'd been building, making bricks in Egypt. They'd been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. But when they crossed the Jordan River on dry ground, they knew above anything else, this battle belongs to the Lord. And in your life, you could be going up against some tough situations. Maybe they seem huge and insurmountable. And maybe you feel like I don't have the right tools, I don't have the right experience, I don't have the right people in my corner, I don't have the right doctor or the right teacher or the right boss or the right whatever, I don't have, have whatever the resources that I need to face this situation. Remember, the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not your resources, it's God's resources we're talking about. And it doesn't matter where your battlefield is. For Joshua, it happened to be on the plains of Jericho. Your battlefield might be in a hospital ward. It may be where you work. It may be uh, in your school. It could be in your, in your home. It, it may be, I hate to say it, sometimes it's even the church. And the point we're trying to make isn't the, the where the battle is taking place, but who, who, who's in charge of the battle. See, so you can fight with all your might, You can try to handle the circumstances and situations all on your own. You're going to lose. But when we have God on our side, God Almighty on our side, then the battle belongs to the Lord. Our our step one lesson that we're going to learn this week is is what what the video at the beginning, the bumper showed, is we're going to try to shrink it down to size. Jericho was, was an oasis in what was an otherwise barren desert, The city benefited from natural irrigation from the Jordan River and also from underground tributaries from the central mountains. Not only was the city fortified by the wall, but it had natural defenses. Mount Nebo to the east, the central mountains to the west, the Dead Sea directly south. And of course, as we know, it had that wall, that giant wall. In fact, archaeologists tell us not only did it have one wall, it had two walls. And both walls were, were 26 feet in height, made of mud and brick, the first wall sat on top of a 12-foot retaining wall, so it was actually probably 40 feet high, maybe a little taller. To put that in perspective, these walls here are 30 feet. But it was a big wall. We all know that. It was, it was huge. The walls were high. Not only that, Joshua 6.1 says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. No one came in. And of course, we know what's going to happen. This isn't a spoiler alert. I already gave you the story. They march around it for six days. On the seventh day, they march around it and, and give a shout and the trumpets blare and the walls come tumbling down. How did that happen? The city of Jericho met its demise because the men and women of Israel placed their trust, their focus on the greatness of God, not the size of those walls. On paper, Jericho seemed undefeatable. It was, it was huge and strong, well-made. They had expert warriors. And if Joshua would have focused on that massive, massive wall, guess what? I don't think it ever would have come down. Likewise, in, when we're in the middle of a storm, when we're facing problems bigger than ourselves, when we have things going on in our life, we can stare at that problem, not take our eyes off it, It's the first thing we think about in the morning. It's the last thing we think about when we put our head on the pillow at night. 
I mean, it's just always before us. We obsess over it. We think about it. We think of all the scenarios. We become consumed with that problem. What if this happens? What if that happens? What are we going to do? Probably you've been there at some point. Most of us have been there at some point in our life when we're staring down a problem. And as we do that, it seems the problem grows even bigger. And it's easy then to slip into some kind of hopelessness. This problem is too big. Or maybe slide into some, some form of depression. I don't want to get out of bed. This, this problem is too big. And it weighs on us like a ton of bricks. And that's all we think about. You can't eat. You can't sleep. It's the problem, the problem, the problem. I like the way the 121st Psalm begins. It says this. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? Does my help come from these mountains, these, these huge, massive mountains? No. My help comes from the creator of the mountains. My help, verse 2 says, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will never slumber. Here's the the point. When facing major problems, battles, storms, whatever you want to call it, when that big giant wall is standing in your way, we can focus on that wall, we can focus on that problem or that battle, or we can focus on God Almighty. Again, our strategy for today, shrink it down to size. Let me ask you, who's greater? That problem you're facing? That big thing that you don't know how you're going to defeat or, 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 or how you can even wrap your mind around the issue? It's a person, it's a problem, it's at work, it's at school, it's wherever. Who's greater, that big thing or God Almighty? That's, it's too silly of a question to even answer. We know the answer to that. God is greater than your biggest worry. He, he can solve your biggest problem. Your greatest dilemma is no trouble for him. It can be God is greater. God is greater than all the forces of hell. God is greater. Now, now, now let me give you a little preventative medicine. Maybe everything's going great for you right now. It's kind of smooth sailing. No real problems. Everything is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Praise the Lord. It's all, all good, right? But, but before we get to the storm, we, we understand, you understand, that life can change on a dime. And way before the battle of Jericho ever took place, it's good to see what Joshua and the children of Israel did. Before, the, before any military strategy was given, before they thought about walking around the city seven times, whatever, before the warriors were ready, Joshua and the children of Israel prepared for the battle. And how did they prepare? It's in verse 5. It's kind of shocking, really, how they prepared. Verse 1 says this, of, of chapter 5. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Let me stop right there. You would expect, and verse one just says, all right, these kings, the Amorite kings, the Canaanite kings, they're all, they're all afraid of cats. And they're all, they're all thinking, you know, we don't want to fight these guys. So you expect, verse two to then say, because of that momentum, Joshua and the warriors, they went after those kings and they defeated those kings. They did not pass go. They did not collect $200, Monopoly reference. They just went after them and beat them easy peasy. Now, usually the Bible doesn't use the words easy peasy. And verse two doesn't say that. In fact, verse two in the rest of the chapter five describes how the children of Israel got ready for battle. And it's really shocking. The way they got ready for battle was... All the men were circumcised, and they celebrated Passover. Now, I don't want to get overly graphic. We're rated G in here, 
But I, let me just say, that surgical procedure is probably not the best way to get your warriors ready for battle. I'm just saying. I kind of get wimpy over a paper clip and, or a paper cut. And so, you know, I just don't think that's probably the best way for battle. And neither is celebrating Passover. Remember, Passover, big meal, big feast. Usually when I eat a big meal, big feast, I want to, you know, take a nap, maybe watch a football game, you know, something like that. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. And remember for, these, for the children of Israel, they had been eating for 40 years, manna, 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 every meal, manna. That's what they ate, manna, manna, manna. You didn't have to ask your wife what was for dinner tonight. It's manna. You know, fried manna, boiled manna, sautéed manna, manna a la king, manna, 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 manna. And now they're in the promised land. They've crossed over dry ground. And they're going to celebrate Passover. No more manna. Woo-hoo, pass the milk, pass the honey. Let's celebrate. My point, that's not the way to get ready for battle. Not circumcising, not having a, a, a big feast. So why did they do it? Why not wait till after the battle? Wait until after they fought Jericho. Wait until till they had conquered that and then have your feast and then you know, do what you gotta do. Joshua knew one very important thing. And, 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 and that's a good lesson for us before we face any battles or problems if everything is going smooth right now. They understood that God's way must take precedence. God's way needs, needs to be in first place. The best way to prepare for battle, as Joshua saw it, was to make sure, absolutely sure, that God was in first place. And I, I can tell you, Central Church, if we want to be successful in the battles of our life, before the problem, before the battle, before the issue, before the struggle, before the whatever, if, we, if we've already made sure that we and God are on the same page, then those issues, those problems, those mountains become molehills. Why? Because we know. What do we learn? We're going to learn it seven times all the week, all these weeks. The battle belongs to the Lord. Long before any of those problems arise, you do much better when everything is going smooth to say, Lord, I want you to be in first place. I want you to have my whole life. And I know everything's going great right now, but I also know that life can sometimes turn on a dime. And when that day comes, not if that day comes, but when that day comes, when that day comes, I want to make sure that you and I are walking right together. I don't want there to be any question about who's, who's, who I'm serving or who's the, the, the controller of my life. I want you to be in charge, and I'm the manager, you're the owner. See, when we do that, when the battles come, and the battles will come. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if you're going to live a good long life, you're going to have some battles. And you want to make sure that you are in line, right in line with, with God Almighty. Well, that was what Joshua and the troops did. God was number one. All right, back to the wall. It was big. It was strong. It was impenetrable. Massive problem. Our lesson for the day, shrink it down to size. That's the same strategy that David used when he fought Goliath. You remember that. Goliath was massive. David was a kid. And, and, and in that mismatch, I remember David's words. When he went out to fight Goliath, he said this, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of, Israel's, of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And Goliath laughed and snickered and said, yeah, right, kid. And he started to move towards Goliath. And in verse 47, David said this, or moved towards David. And David said this, 
Everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it. Some of us need to square down those problems and issues, those giant walls that are standing in our way, and simply declare, this is the Lord's battle. You're not going to defeat me, because this is the Lord's battle. And all the powers of hell can, 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 can throw their junk at me, but this is the Lord's battle, and I'm not fighting on my own. I've got the Lord on my side. This is the Lord's battle. What are you looking at today? The size of your problems or the size of our God? See, we're shrinking it down to size. We're shrinking those problems, those issues down to size. Whatever you're facing, whatever that, that, that thing that's keeping you up at night, the first thing you think about in the morning, let's shrink it down to size in comparison to God. Here's what you need to know. God is the creator of the universe. Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Our God is creator. The mighty rushing waters over Niagara Falls, the majestic mountains and the Rocky Mountains and everything in between, God is the creator. A couple of weeks ago, Carla and I were up at our pastor's retreat up in uh, Mackinac City. And up in Mackinac City, there's a place called the Dark Park. Have you ever been there? It's, it's, it's just right off of Lake Michigan. And we went in there and it's dark it's the dark park, and there's like red lights that lead you back to a spot along Lake Michigan, and you can't use your phone, you can't have any lights out there, and you just, you just, you know, kind of stare up at the sky. And if it's not cloudy, it was a little cloudy the, the night we were there, but if it's not cloudy, you can see, you know, millions of stars. And you can see the planets, you can even see like a satellite going through, there's apps on your phone, you're not supposed to use them, but there's apps on your phone that show you what's up in the sky when you're watching. Our God created those things. Well, not the satellite, but everything else he created. And I haven't even told you about his, his crowning glorious achievement. He created you and me. We're made up of trillions of, 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 of cells. Our brains are, are, are more efficient than the fastest computers. God created you. God formed you. God made you. God is the creator. Not only is God the creator, God is everywhere at all times. Jesus told in John chapter 4 that God is in spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. God is everywhere. There's no place you can go to be hidden from God. Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your, right, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is there. Are you kidding me? God is here. But not just in church. He's, he's, he's at your workplace. He's in your high school. They may have taken prayer out of school. They can't take God out of school. He's there. He's, a, he, he, he's, he's on the picket line. He's at the CEO's house. God's in the hospital. He's in the nursing home. He's in the funeral home. He, he, he's, he's in the prison cell. Even solitary confinement, he's there. He's in the drug rehab center. Not only that, he's in the meth lab crying over what people are doing, but he's there. There is no place, no place, no place you can go where God is not. No place. 
God is the creator. He's everywhere at all times. And God, know, God knows every detail, every minute detail, every circumstance. The author of Hebrews said this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God knows all. You can fool me. I don't know everything. Carla says I don't know anything sometimes. You know, I, I don't know a lot. But God knows the ins and outs. God knows the, your dilemma better than you know your dilemma. God knows what makes you tick. God knows all the details. And guess what? He knows how to knock down those walls. He knows how to solve those problems. He knows how to calm those storms. He knows how to bring peace in the midst of chaos. So what we're saying by the strategy is shrink it down to size, shrink that problem down to size. God is the creator. He's, he's everywhere at all times. He knows all the details, the minute details. And not only that, God Almighty is all powerful. Every page of the Bible declares the might and the majesty of God Almighty. God doesn't often explain himself. He doesn't need to. But in Joshua 4, he does. And that's the passage that talks about how he split the Jordan River in two and the people crossed over on on the dry riverbed. And this is what the Bible says in 424. He did this so that the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. You get it, right? We serve God Almighty, creator of the universe, everywhere, at all times, all-knowing, all-powerful, and best of all, all-loving. No matter what you've been told, no matter what you've come to believe, God loves you. God is head over heels in love with you. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. God is, God is deeply in love with you. For God so loved the world, you and me are included in the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son for who? For you, for me, for everybody. God is crazy about you. Pastor, you don't, you don't know God is mad at me. God has abandoned me. God has quit on me. Impossible. That can't happen. The creator of the universe everywhere at all times, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, head over heels in love with you. Compared to your situations, compared to your problems, compared to those things that seem so huge and insurmountable, compared to God Almighty, he can handle it. The battle belongs to the Lord. You can trust him. You can always trust him. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to not be so focused on the battle or the problem, but instead focus on you and your love and mercy. Shrink that thing down to size and give us a a God-sized vision of where you are leading us. Thank you, Lord, for how you're working. Thank you for this day. Bring us back tonight and throughout this week, Lord, help us to be your servants. In Jesus' name, amen.